0: Welcome to Vision of Zion. Today is September the 10th. Uh, I'm Craig Perry. Welcome to the program. It's been about 10 days since I recorded my last uh, podcast, which was episode 14. This is episode 15. And a good part of the reason for that is because I I contracted COVID and I've been on the mend and hopefully I'm feeling good enough to uh, do a good job today in discussing a a topic that was suggested to me by a very good friend, someone I've spoken to about on the the program. She's asked me to address our youth and, and talking about staying in church or leaving church i'm going to try and make this a broader message for any church that you might belong to as i've mentioned before i belong to the church of jesus christ latter-day saints and i i want to give you a little bit of background or maybe my history with people who stay with church or belong to a church and stay with it or those who decide to leave I know the decision to leave, going to church is a, or quitting or resigning is a very um, personal issue. And I just want you to know that I've been exposed to this issue for many decades and I want to go back and just tell you some examples of my encounters. I guess I should start by saying that I still go to church. And I've been a regular church attender since I was uh, a child, with very rare exception. I've been a regular church attender and I want to talk about the benefits that I've found from doing that and also some of the challenges. But just to give you some background of what I've experienced. Growing up, In Southern California, we had a very large youth group of friends that—well, they were friends for a long time because we attended many, many classes together from our youth and then into our teens. And I remember I was in a priesthood quorum of young Uh, men—this would have been at the age of 14 and 15 years old— And as I recall, we had about 16 of us who regularly attended church in this quorum and we did camping together. We did backpacking together. We did all kinds of activities. And I remember by the time I was 16 years of age, that's when we transitioned from one quorum to another. So just to give some background we have three Aaronic priesthood quorums for young men in our church. We have at the time it was 12 and 13 were deacons, 14 and 15 were teachers. And then 16, 17, and even in 18, we were priests and between the teachers quorum where we had 16 young men, and becoming a priest. I remember at one point we only had two of us left of my peers, and I was, it was discouraging to see my friends leave for a variety of reasons. Some moved away, some just decided not to go. I don't even know all the reasons, but I just know that the number became very small. We had a couple of people move in who became really good friends. so we had maybe four or five of us because we had some older young men in there too but that was my first experience with watching people just suddenly not go to church anymore i'm going to fast forward to when i was a missionary i was in a city in near naples i was uh, at the time i'd been assigned to be a district leader which just meant I was supervising about 10 missionaries, six elders, four sisters. And we were in a what was considered to be one of the strongest, if not the strongest branch of members in, in that area. We had wonderful families. Uh, we were invited to dinner every Sunday to someone's home, which was not typical in my mission. But in in this war, this branch of people, there was maybe, I'm not sure, 30 or 40 members, super strong. Uh, We were invited to to dinner every Sunday and it seems like they almost fought over us to come over. It was really wonderful. The camaraderie and the love was great. And then uh, this was during the time of the earthquake in Naples, which we were there for November of 1980, and there was a falling out in that beautiful little branch. And I watched this branch go from the strongest to completely disintegrated. there were some issues with the branch president, some of his doctrines or teachings that riled and upset a lot of people, and and anyway, the activity in that branch plummeted, and I was there to witness the whole thing fall apart. It was very, very discouraging and sad because they had had such a close bond of love and friendship between each other. and and with the missionaries and then to watch it all come apart was really a travesty Um, for my own self I only really had one struggle with going to church and that was right after I came back off my mission I was attending well what happened is I came home my brother found a place for me to live he didn't know the people i was going to move in with he was just trying to find me a place to move into which i did and i didn't really bond with them they this was in the middle of the school year so they'd already had this bonding period in september i came in in january and <clears throat> they were real nice guys but they'd already they were close friends a bunch of guys as i recall from hawaii super close uh friendships and bonds and they were they were not unfriendly to me but i just didn't uh, i just didn't click with them and i was attending church by myself and that was hard that was very hard to go from uh, let's say a, a leadership position in my mission where i had served and had been friends and friendly with so many missionaries and then to come home and not know anybody and then the group that I was staying with that I don't think they were attending church or not regularly and so to go off to church by myself to go to school by myself it was hard and so for social reasons for a period of about four months even though I went to church I was alone I was lonely and I still acutely remember how that felt. And I know that after that, I made a concerted effort that when I saw somebody in church who didn't have a friend or didn't have someone they were sitting with, I would make a point to go over and introduce myself and try and get them integrated with other people in the ward or in our congregation. And I'm not, I not—I don't think I do as good of a job today as I used to, but it's important that we friendship other people that are new and feel like they're an outsider I think that's a big one of the reasons that people don't go to church anymore is they they fail to find the socialization that they expect or or need as a or crave as a human being I think we all need that anyway so now since that time And throughout my life, there have been people that I've been close to who were members of my church, and I have seen many of them decide the church isn't for them. At least our church isn't for them. Some abandon religion completely. Some just don't go to the church that we met in, and some just um I guess just become what we call inactive or just kind of uh passive about it and and not finding any relevance to it um I've had friends leave the church and frankly some of them have left for really good reasons I don't criticize them for for their reasons Some have thought it out very carefully and have very, very good reasons, and I still love them and I still fellowship with them and I accept them for the decisions that they have made in their lives. I don't think any less of them. In fact, a lot of them have really thought things through. But I will say, and and maybe I'm not 100% informed, but of my friends and and family who have left, I'm I'm not sure that they've ever found a competent or a really good replacement for the church. Some of them are very sad that for reasons which are personal, they needed to leave, uh, that their convictions don't square with teachings of the church I'm not I don't think I know of anybody who in in my circle of friends over the years who left because because of moral failings these are people who left because of um, various issues I think there'd be social issues how they were treated or are treated and then of course differences in doctrinal views about what is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's been an interesting journey and what I want to discuss is why I stay because through all of that and even though I've, well I'm going to say it this way, some people think that people cling to church or go to church because they lack an educational foundation or intellectual honesty integrity or don't think for themselves and that's certainly not my case. Uh, I know lots of people who who go to school and get an education, get a degree or degrees who still decide to remain active members of a church. For me, I've I've obtained two degrees, one in accounting and then I went on and went to law school and neither one of those has discouraged me, or intellectual pursuits have not dampened my interest. And if anything, those things have deepened my interest in doctrine and, and religion and the role that it plays in our lives. So what I would like to do again is describe why I stay, and how I think through some of the problems that people face in in similar shoes again I'm not being critical of anybody's personal decisions let's step back for a minute we all have our agency we're all brought to this earth with the opportunity to choose to make choices and I know that I revel in my freedoms and the ability to choose, and I strongly believe that other people have the same right, and including those who dissent from my own opinions. And like I said, I find these people to be refreshingly honest in, in many situations, or probably every situation that I can think of, of a close friend. They're extremely have integrity. They have uh, intellectual curiosity and really good reasons for for what they do and why they do it. But this is going to be my story about why I stay an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, notwithstanding all these other. Um, things going on and and movements for people to leave or resign their membership so I would have to say that it goes back to personal spiritual experiences which have led me to conclude that the faith that I have is based on truth and there's a lot of things that I maybe cannot explain But as I mentioned in a prior podcast, my first time that I knew that there was such a thing as the Holy Ghost occurred when I was uh, around 12 years old. That's what I traced it back to. And we were dedicating a chapel and the Spirit came to me and bore witness to me that the Holy Ghost was real. And the love that I felt and the reality of Jesus Christ was very pronounced never ever forgotten or abandoned that feeling Uh, many years of going to seminary which is a a morning class for four years while in high school Um, I began to learn more about the gospel and had a chance to exercise prayer I've talked about the power of forgiveness that I have felt from the Lord and that's probably one of the most powerful things for me later when i came back off of my mission and i found my grandfather's journal that i talked about and i put it in a book form <clears throat> which i discussed last time the refiner's fire which uh, just is an is a an autobiographical account he had an out-of-body experience, and while he was in the heavens, and also as he was returning to his body, he had some spiritual experiences that hit me with such force that, you know, I can never, ever deny those, those feelings. And they relate to the, the, some of the foundational elements of my church that I belong to and so it's all based on testimony and conviction and that's been reinforced many times through the holy spirit for me personally um have have things been perfect within the church no they're not perfect there have been some major adjustments within the church structure i want to if i didn't i think i told the story before but i want to repeat it again real quick there was an important leader looking for church properties. He came down to Naples and met with me and my companion. And we were trying to find a place to have this chapel because of the destruction. And I remember he said to us to never confuse the business side of the church with the spiritual side, because if you did, you could lose your testimony. And that may seem confusing, but it was incredibly important advice to me because there is a business side. When you run an organization where you're collecting money and you're building buildings and you're training personnel and you're trying to achieve the objectives of a spiritual church, there are a lot of secular decisions that are made along the way. And There are political considerations, socioeconomic considerations. There are a lot of other things that get brought in on the business side of running an organization, which are commonly shared among any type of organization or entity. And so knowing there's a difference there between that and then what I experience in the scriptures and with relationship to Jesus Christ, I've been able to keep those things separate. I'll just give you an example. Here's an example. <clears throat> I was uh, I was on a date. I was at Brigham Young University. I was in a large auditorium called the Marriott Center. It holds like 23,000 people. One of the general authorities, an apostle, was speaking to us. And he said that he would hate to be single and 27 years old, and tell the Lord why he had not yet met his priesthood responsibility. And I was 27 at the time. My date looked at me like I had leprosy. And it was a very embarrassing situation because suddenly I had been characterized as someone who should be married, wasn't married, and had failed in my priesthood duty and that dating opportunity quickly evaporated with that particular woman and and i know i when i was sitting in the audience i was i was offended and i thought to myself well elder so-and-so i'd rather be sitting here 27 and clean morally clean and not having married the wrong person then have married the wrong person and check that off my list so it bothered me you know did it keep me from church of course not but it was an it was an insensitive thing that was said and it shouldn't have been said so has that ever happened since (laughs) on occasion on occasion on really on rare occasion I hear those kinds of things said that have nothing to do with my membership in the church of jesus christ and people have their opinions people have their thoughts i i've also learned to distinguish between what is someone's opinion and what is official doctrine of jesus christ My faith is rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ and not rooted in some of the pronouncements of even church leaders, um, some opinions of which have dramatically changed and, and been refined or restated over many, many decades. So I don't worry about that. One of the things that I think about, this is really an important verse for me. If you go to John chapter six in the old in the New Testament, Jesus has just fed the five thousand, and he's been healing people right and left. People are following him in massive numbers. In fact, there's a place where they said they wanted to force him to be the king, and he left. That was uh, John six verse fifteen. When Jesus, therefore, perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Anyway, what you find is Jesus starts to talk and tell people, look, I know I have fed you with, with bread. Everybody was filled. And I know that Moses fed you with manna from heaven the Lord did the people of Moses children of Israel but he said I am the bread of life only through him could people be saved and talked about in little terms about eating his flesh and drinking his blood as an analogy to you know he is the door through which we obtain eternal life and what happens is people started to turn away from him go to verse 66 it says from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him in other words the crowds got small and then here are these verses that i think about all the time when i think about why i stay it says this is verse 67 then jesus said unto the 12 Will ye also go away then simon peter answered him lord to whom shall we go thou hast the words of eternal life and we believe and are sure that thou art that christ the son of the living god so for me i ask myself you know where would i go the church that i belong to From my perspective has the words of eternal life they were spoken in the old testament the new testament and i believe additional inspired teachings through joseph smith jr and so i don't let the little stuff get me rattled Uh, this is where i find the words of eternal life i also think about samuel the book of samuel when the lord his prophet called an anoint the people demanded a king they wanted a king they got a king who was that king it was Saul but Saul began to waver in his exactness and following what the Lord wanted him to do and eventually the Lord he found himself in disfavor with the Lord because he did not heed the instructions given through the the uh, the prophet i think at the time was samuel and so in first samuel 16 the lord choo- chooses chooses uh, david of bethlehem to replace saul even though for a period of several years saul remains the lord's anointed uh, Let me go to Samuel. 1 Samuel 24, 16. David finds Saul asleep in a cave. uh, Saul's been trying to take David's life, and now David has the upper hand because he finds Saul asleep in a cave. But he decides to spare his life. Verse 10. Behold this day, thine eyes have seen how that the Lord had delivered thee. This is David speaking to Saul. Today into mine hand in the cave and some bade me kill thee but mine eyes spared thee and I said I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord for he is the Lord's anointed and then later Saul recognizes his wickedness verse 16 and it came to pass when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul that Saul said is this thy voice my son David and Saul lifted up his voice and wept and he said to David. Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. What's the point here? The point is we are required by the Lord to support the anointed, those who have been put in place by the Lord, and we should pray for them. We should pray for their success, pray for them to receive inspiration, pray for them to do their job, and eventually the Lord will either grant them grace or they may potentially be replaced i'm not sure if there's anything that i've said that will help you today i just want to share with you that if you have a testimony about the things that you believe if the holy spirit has spoken to you don't let yourself be diverted there's power in the concept of a church. The Savior organized a church. He created opportunities for service in the church. I often think about when there were floods in Texas and and in New Orleans many people felt stranded and, and they felt helpless. The people who rendered service especially early on, were people who belonged to churches. They got themselves organized and rather than lament their own condition, they were literally reaching out and feeding and clothing and providing shelter for flood victims, storm victims. And we see this all the time where the the power of church, the power of organization, is much greater than individual efforts for me personally there's never been a good reason to stop going to church yes i've had to forgive others yes i've had to look beyond some of the comments and views of others including leaders and remain focused on the savior the place you should be is where you feel there's priesthood power and the Lord's anointed who have been called of God to deliver his word and administer the ordinances of baptism and receiving of the Holy Ghost and the priesthood the reason to stay in church is because there's power there and there's room for people to make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes and to grow i'll tell you one of the biggest changes that has occurred in closing it seems that for the bigger part of my life the church leadership took the position that the gospel of jesus christ had been restored and the idea was that we were just kind of putting some of the final touches on it but Not many years ago, I remember hearing Elder M. Russell Ballard talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ is just beginning to unfold. The restored gospel of Jesus Christ is just beginning to unfold. And then I heard this same theme when President Russell M. Nelson became the prophet of the church. He made comments similar to that. that the restoration of the Gospels just begun now this is something that I had concluded based on my study of the Book of Mormon and the Bible book of Revelation book of Daniel that there were many big things coming still and so it was comforting to me to finally hear this acknowledgement that there were big things coming and that we're just at the infancy stages of what the lord would consider to be a restoration of the gospel of jesus christ that's exciting to me to hear those acknowledgements because in the next few podcasts that's what i want to talk about is what's going to unfold in the future how is it going to unfold it's not a predictable or expected unfolding of a story it's frankly full of twists and turns and surprises but you can be assured that god has a plan and that his church plays a role in it i pray that you will find a home within a church where you can worship according to the dictates of your own conscience your god I'm grateful for my spiritual conviction that God lives and that Jesus is the Christ and that inspired men and women have walked the earth who have been granted insight into their nature and into their what they expect of us and that those things can be shared and disseminated even in our day. Thank you for listening.